Welcome to the CompTIA BizTech Podcast, where we talk with industry leaders across our communities and councils to discuss business challenges, opportunities, and strategies for success. Ransomware. That was an unknown term just a few years ago, but now it's a term that strikes fear in the heart of businesses and organizations worldwide. The notion of MSPs being a trusted advisor for these client organizations, frankly, has never been more critical. Uh, But what it appears is that not all MSPs are prepared to even protect their own shops, much less credibly claim to protect their clients. My name is Gary Bixler. I am host of the CompTIA BizTech podcast brought to you by our worldwide CompTIA communities. If you're not already a member of one of our communities, please consider joining today at comptia.org slash communities. And also please subscribe to this podcast. Today, this is going to be a fascinating discussion as we welcome in Miles Jobjin, host of today's podcast and also manager of our CompTIA IT security community. Welcome in, Miles. Thanks, Gary. Good to be here. So before we get started, uh, as we record this episode, your White Sox have a tenuous hold I would say, on the division lead in the Major League Baseball AL Central division with about a week left in the season. Now, I know uh, you and I in these podcasts have bantered about a little bit about your music uh, being your escape during these crazy times, but how nice has it been to kind of add sports back into the mix of those distractions? Well, to be honest, as a White Sox fan, <laughs> it's been a while since you could say that that's been a good thing. So uh, this has been a wonderful season, shortened as though it is. Um, yeah, we're, 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 I think our magic number is one and a half right now. Um, so when this airs, either the Yankees will have destroyed us at some point or we'll keep going. Who knows? But uh, I, I, they've been so fun. Um, and it really has yeah. been nice to just kind of you know, turn it on and, and, you know, work on a little puzzle or something and just have the baseball game on. It's been wonderful. Right. It's, it's amazing how I think, you know, things like that are so important in times like this, whenever everything else is so serious, um, just having sports to kind of, you know, distract us a little bit is, is really, really important. So, and I'm happy for you uh, that the Sox are doing well. I mean, if nothing else, they've clinched a playoff berth. So you know that the season will go on. Uh, I would say that's a success in and of itself. So, uh, we'll see. Like you said, once this podcast airs, we'll know the answer probably is. To That's right. That's a fingers the crossed. <laughs> of your socks. All right. Well, <clears throat> given that it is October and late October, it's appropriate that this episode, frankly, is scheduled to drop just before Halloween, because frankly, this topic is just so dang scary. Uh, in addition to your great guest that you have on the podcast, though, you also have a very special guest with you right now on this introduction. So why don't you introduce us to MJ and let us know why he's crashing our little party here. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. MJ Shore, um, as as you may know already, we've been talking about the launch of our ISAL program and uh, MJ has taken over, kind of heading the the ship, that one, that's a big boat to steer. So thank you, MJ, for taking that on. Um, But in particular, as part of our kind of rolling out of the, the information sharing and analysis organization and the, the kind of the, the work around that. One of the really fun things that we get to do is we're going to have a YouTube series um, hosted on our community and council's YouTube channel. So please do go ahead and subscribe right there. There's all kinds of great programs already up there. 
But MJ Shore is going to have shoring up security and it's going to dig into the ISAO and I love it. And as a, you know, kind of a member and the leader of our IT security community, I'm excited to be able to, to talk about this and bring more attention to, to this great effort. I think CompTIA is, I love what we're doing with this ISAO. Uh, thanks, Miles, and thanks, Gary, as well. And Miles, I'll 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 share some of your your uh, good vibes on the on the White Sox being a fan of the other color socks. And and when I grew up, they were about as uh, dismal as your White Sox have been. So <laughs> good for you, man. <laughs> Enjoy it. It's uh it's a treat. I keep telling my kids, you have no idea what it's like to be a real fan having grown up in this era of Boston <laughs> sports. So I, I feel you. Uh, it's, it's a, hopefully they'll, they'll hang on there. And, and uh, all kidding aside, as, as Gary said, this, I, I'm, I'm so excited about, about the CompTIA ISAO and everything that we've accomplished in a, in a short amount of time, because as, as Gary said, this, this is, this really is scary stuff and it's scary stuff that's bigger than any one of us. It's bigger than any of our companies. It's bigger than our industry. I mean, uh, if, if you've heard me talk, you, you're probably sick of hearing me say it, but it's, it's, I believe in, in, in every fabric of my being, this is, this is an existential threat to the global economy and to the health of our, of our societies. You know, the, the, what's going on in, in, on the bad side of, of the cyber world is, is not good. And we've got to turn those tables. You know, the bad actors are really coming together and banding together and sharing information to, to do their dirty work. And now more than ever, it's so critical that, that something like the CompTIA ISAO comes to our industry so that we can build that trusted community to share critical cyber threat intelligence and best practices and, and really turn the tables on the bad actors and get very proactive about how we defend and as Gary so rightly said, you know, we have to defend our own organizations. We've seen when what happens when MSPs get hacked, you know, the risk to the credibility of, of the technology industry is not to be understated. We have to get ahead of that. We have a responsibility to get ahead of that. And the only way to do it is to come together in an initiative like this to do it. And so um, I'm, I'm really excited about this. I mean, back in, back in mid-September, um, if you were a member then, you would have gotten an early alert around um, Microsoft's NetLogon remote protocol vulnerability. Um, I was really proud that the CompTIA ISAO through our, through our analysts got a confidential, highly reliable tip on that. And we broadcast that threat to our members two days before it really started to hit in the mainstream avenues. So that's just a simple example of how coming together in an organization like this can have a meaningful impact on your business. And, and as Gary said, you know, importantly, your customer's business. So, um, and then we've got this YouTube series that you mentioned. Um, so yeah. storing up security, little, little play on names there. Um, but we are, um, I've, I've had the great pleasure to interview um, several different people um, from different partners with the CompTIA ISAO from some of the organizations and individuals that have provided the critical funding that we needed to stand this up and get it going to some of our platform partners. Um, we've got a, if you've been following the CompTIA ISAO, you know we've got a unique partnership with the IT ISAC and with a company called TrueStar for our threat intelligence. So I've interviewed my, my counterpart, the executive director at the IT ISAC, 
We interviewed one of the co-founders of TrueStarve, interviewed um, Arnie Bellini, kind of, a, kind of an icon in our industry who's doing a lot of philanthropic work and, and uh, provided some funding to the CompTI SAO, as well as um, others with some of our industry partners like ConnectWise and Sophos and others. So um, really excited to, to launch this series and really excited to have these quick bite-sized chats with these people. These are people that have deep, deep expertise in the cybersecurity space and, you know, are probably opening eyes to different lens on this, on this issue. But bottom line is it, it, it's more important than ever that we all come together and, and set aside our, our competitive concerns and do what's right for the industry and, and really work together to share threat intel, to share best practices, to, to make it relevant, no matter whether you are a startup MSP just getting going, a seasoned MSP, or you know, a, a very mature MSSP with your own cyber analyst. We're, we're gonna address all of you and, and bring together the best that we can all bring together to help us fight back and make ourselves more resilient. That's great, that's great. And I think, um, you know, one of the, the unique things about CompTIA is, you know, people can, you know, eat as much of this massive elephant that we are, right, and that they can handle. So I, I, for a lot of people out there, if this is, um, you know, maybe a little, a little overwhelming, a little scary, um, these opportunities, a podcast such as the one we're about to kick off with, with Kevin McDonald um, and, and talking about ransomware is a great way to just start to tune in a little bit. Subscribe to the, to the Shoring Up Security and now you're going to start hearing some things. And then you're going to start hearing that same thing a few days later and you're going to make a connection there. And then you're going to realize, oh, I need to get this information. So just just take it step by step, and and we're we're here to to kind of feed it out the, in this manner as best as we can. So, uh, lots of great stuff coming in the security world from Comte. I'm super excited, um, and and you know, and with that, I you know. Any other comments, MJ? We'll, we'll, we'll get this thing going. <laughs> no, I share your enthusiasm, Miles, and, and and you made a couple of great points. You know, we all we have to take a step. You know, we can't we can't let ourselves be paralyzed by this. There's there's you know, you, you, you've probably also heard me say, you know, this industry, everything's like drinking from a fire hose. Well, when, when it comes to cybersecurity, I call that a water cannon. That sucker just pins you against the wall. There's just so much out there and it, and it is a different lingo. Um, it is a different set of expertise. So we're going to help you get out from behind that powerful rush that, 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 you know, would typically overwhelm you and, and, and put you into some state of inaction you know, the CompTIA ISAO is a step you can take that goes right along with your security stack, with your training, with your education. We're going to build education and research around this. We're going to build events around this. We're going to, you know, if, if, if you don't feel comfortable with cybersecurity, we're going to help you get comfortable with it. Most importantly, we're going to help you with plain English actionable information. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a step we've all got to take and it's a step we're taking together and, and, and it's in the right place with CompTIA because we've got that, that breath, this tent is big, this tent is well-established and everybody knows when people come together inside the CompTIA umbrella, good things happen. So yeah, thanks so much for giving me the opportunity to share a little bit about it. I'm, I'm really excited to hear what Kevin has to say and I appreciate all the great work you and Gary and all the communities are doing. That's great, MJ. Okay, thanks. Welcome into the BizTech podcast today. 
I'm really excited because, uh, funny enough, um, when I started this role at CompTIA, um, well, not originally, I started about 17 years ago myself, but this particular role, um, about a year and a half ago, I had the chance to speak with uh, Oli Thor Darson of Alvaca Networks at the time, and well, still, I guess, really, but uh, we discussed ransomware and, and kind of it was a growing threat. And we talked about how you can kind of protect and being aware of this stuff and who may be targeted. And even, you know, we got down into the, some of the nitty gritty around, you know, should you even pay a ransom, right? So this was what, 18 months ago at most. So here we are, year and a half later, um, I am happy to have COO and CISO of Avaca Networks, Kevin McDonald with me to kind of touch back on this ransomware because it's gone haywire, man. This is, it has really seemed to have gone out of control and where before it was a minor inconvenience, you know, and, and an ethical debate of, oh gosh, should I pay a few hundred dollars to now? It's, it's a debilitating event. This is taking businesses down. And so with that lovely news, Kevin, welcome to the, welcome to the BizTech podcast, man. Good, good morning, Miles. And, and I would say you have it right. It, it really is an entity killing existential threat and something that I'm glad to see that we're, we're talking about. Awesome. Awesome. So let's, 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 before we kind of dig into some of the, you know, realities of what's happening today out there and, and, and kind of the frustration that people are seeing, um, this seems to be a relatively new thing in the grand scheme of an MSP in the history of the MSP world, right? Um, kind of where, I don't know, where, where does the MSPs coming from and how does maybe that history of theirs have a bad impact of what's happening now, right? How did we maybe set ourselves up for, for this possibility? Well, I think in part um, it, it's that, that need for or that, that requirement to have control and access to do the, the proper job if you're being a, a good managed service provider to a client or, or an advanced network service provider, as we coined the term for ourselves, um, you do need a certain amount of access. And you also need that one pane of glass centralized managed place where you can support multiple clients in one place. Uh, and unfortunately, if you're not securing that access and you're not providing limitations to isolate the individual uh, credentials and so on, um, it's really a, a candy shop for the bad guys. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's tough. I, because it does seem like it is simply, you know, the, the bad guys taking advantage of a reality that the MSP had to deal with, right? They had, they had to be the central point for the data. Um, and now they're exploiting that. And, but that was exactly what we've been telling MSPs to do for years, right? Yeah, I think, but I do think where that where it's become a problem, and you're absolutely right. I think where the issue comes, though, is one. I think there's a lot of um, not eating your own dog food. You know, mm. there's, it's the it's the mechanic with the smoking car thing. Um, some of the we've rescued several MSPs in the last few years, um, and we're out to help one hope to hopefully help the community not have this problem going in the future, but have been there to rescue in the past. And the reality comes down to, you know, you tell a client you need to do patching. Um, you tell clients you need to use multi multi-factor authentication. You need to isolate and, and you need to do segmentation and provide antivirus and keep it up to date and do all these things that are part of classic IT management that an MSP um, would be expected to do. And unfortunately, it's similar to a smoking mechanic with bad brakes, smoking car mechanic um, with bad brakes that, you know, they're great at it. Um, 
maybe with their clients, but they're not doing it for themselves. And the bad guys or the bad actors in IT know this. Is that kind of? Uh, and um, they also, you know. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was, was going to say, is that kind of what, what you're seeing is one of the most frustrating things around ransomware is that, look, we should, we, we should already know how to be doing the, the core of this. Yeah, and it's frustrating. So, yes, not just MSPs, but in general. There are two things that frustrate me the most. One is people don't – no matter how hard we try, they're not listening to the severity of this. And I think part of that is because there's been – so much fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and hyperbolic statements, and all this, the world's on fire, and oh my God, your credit card database is going to get stolen, Wah, and everybody's hair's on fire. Well, the reality is, this is a thousand times worse than that. Um, you can recover, your reputation might get hurt, you might have to pay some damages, you may you know, have problems with regulatory bodies, but you don't go away. When you have ransomware, and you don't have uh, a self isolated or, or a air-gapped backup that's been defended against, you very often are not going to come back from ransomware. And we're seeing a substantial number of businesses just disappear. Um, how does an MSP explain to a client that they got ransomware not because a bad actor attacked the client, but because they attacked you? This is my worst nightmare, right? And we spend a great deal of money and time dealing with that sole subject. So I think my biggest frustration is people think they can insure against ransomware. You cannot. They think they can do a local backup against ransomware. You cannot. Um, these guys are getting a hold of ad, uh, administrative and domain level credentials, taking over entire networks. So if you are logical about it, they can do anything that you can do with administrative function, which means deleting your backup or overriding it or corrupting it in some way. Um, so what now? You're going to pay the ransom? I mean, that's really your only option, and God help you. We had a client just a couple of weeks ago with less than 150 seats that got a $2.2 million ransom requirement. Wow. So this is um, – I, I think maybe there's some, there's some conflation out there in, in, in the general populace of, you know, what is ransomware versus a data breach versus, you know, spyware versus whatever else might be on there. And obviously ransomware being the one that, that – brings the cash to the right and brings that damage, not just the leaking of yeah. data. But how, uh, so how can we maybe kind of open up the, 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 the industry's eyes and even end users' eyes that, that, that ransomware is a unique and different threat? Uh, so that's a good question. And I, and I have thought a lot about it and we're, we're starting out conversations with, with this. Um, I try, there's only a few things that motivate people and, it to do things. It's love of fear, desire for sex, food, the very basic things in life, right? So what is it that we have to do? Well, unfortunately, I've got to provide you with a reason to be afraid enough to invest against whatever it might be. And in this case, ransomware is different. Even in old school ransomware, a couple of years ago, it was one computer that would get it or your home computer or maybe one or three, two or three computers might get it in a network. And you would just wipe out the computer or restore it from a backup and be done. That's not what's happening anymore. We're seeing entire entities, every single function of that system get taken down. So let's imagine for one second, even if you pay the ransom, 
you still have to completely do a forensic review of an entire system. We've seen this in, in, in environments that we've been involved in with up to 100,000 computers that were impacted. Years it takes to recover. Hundreds of millions of dollars, no exaggeration, to come back because they have to replace a number of computers, completely rebuild their active directory, completely redistribute software and reinstall systems because one persistent threat inside of a network means that they're just waiting for you to clean it up. And we've seen this multiple times, by the way, where they think the customer thinks, oh, I got this, don't worry. And they'll they'll call us and they'll go, now nah, we're going to recover on our own. And they go off and they run off and do their own. They get three, four, five weeks into recovery. They go, take a breath. And the next morning they have it again. Oh my gosh. And this time the bad actors are really angry because you didn't pay them and now they're going to show you how bad it's really going to be for you. So the truth is that isolation and forensics and identifying the system and cleaning up an entire network is not something you do in a few days it, or even a few weeks in some cases. So um, this is no joke. And how many organizations can live for two, three, four, five, six, eight weeks without being functional? And then if you don't recover, what happens? We've got companies with accounting data that's been lost for over a year's worth of data because they're, quote, most recent non-corrupted backups a year old. Um, they've got tax implications. They've got payroll problems. They can't pay their vendors. They, I mean, just on and on and on if you think about the amount of damage that can be done by having corrupted data. That, that, that puts a heck of a... a target right right on the, those msps and and not only that but i think there's a presumption among their clients right that here comes my it service provider they've they've told me that i'm i've got antivirus and and my network is secure and you know we've we've even taken steps to make sure remote endpoints are closed right you know whatever it may be but there's some level of security being offered so me as the the client or the user and i'm thinking okay i'm i'm covered i'm safe um, it doesn't sound like maybe that's the case. And so what, how, what can the service provider do to, to kind of, you know, we don't want them to, to just speak to the security, right? There's a whole skill and, and, and tool set that they need to have access to either internally or with an organization like yours. Yeah, so that is where I think we all as a community need to start to understand that you can't pretend to do security. You can't kind of do security. Um, and part of the challenge that we've created, I think, as a community in the MSP community is those that are doing all-you-can-eat flat rate pricing in particular, not all of them, but many of them, have not calculated the more intense security controls, policy procedure, uh, compliance issues, you know, very serious thinking around security and what it takes to do that. So now that they are seeing this um, Russian roulette that's been being played for a number of years start to cause um, negative impacts, they want to go back to their clients and say, hey, you know, I, I know that we have a flat rate. I know I, you know, that, that I've been working with you for a number of years and you're counting on these things, but this is outside of the norm or this is beyond what we calculated when we set up your pricing structure. We need to add more. And the clients go, what are you talking about? I thought this was all included already. And so are you telling me I'm not protected and you're not doing what I'm expecting of you? And, I, and it just completely changes right. the dynamic. It's a very painful conversation, but one that must be had. 
And I've had conversations with MSPs who said, I'd rather take my chances. I'm not having it because they'll fire me. So I, you know, what can we do? I think we need to encourage everybody to go back and have that conversation and be honest and be direct and be open about, hey, the world is changing. This stuff is no joke. We need monitoring. We need to have, you know, machine learning AI based systems that are helping to to identify the things that we can't possibly watch all day long in a small environment. You know, we need to change the way we look at security and realize that the old way of just putting in endpoint antivirus and and praying is not going to do it and praying that's right <laughs> and hoping that the, the, our gopher doesn't come up at the wrong time right exactly so all right um you mentioned it earlier as well and then it, it kind of came through a little bit in my ears anyway right now this notion of of you know pick your metaphor right the cobbler's kids the the mechanic's car um mm-hmm. so when it comes to the actual solution provider obviously having those discussions with their clients and their partners and things very important what about internally like you know how can what should they be doing to make themselves less of a target or at least a more difficult target that somebody would just choose to pass on so starting with the basics um and and i've had probably a hundred plus conversations in the last year with msps that are having their own inflection. We're all looking in the mirror. And I think, honestly, patching your own systems, which in very many of the cases, they openly admit they don't do. Um, Applying MFA to the critical functions like Active Directory and your, you know, domain controllers and things that are critical to gaining a foothold, um, taking away local administrative rights from everybody, um, don't allow even executives need to be convinced that no, it's not okay for you to have rights to to systems just because you think you should. Um, I like to tell people I'm the COO, CISO of this company. I, I could absolutely have access to anything I want. I have access to absolutely nothing. Not one account do I have has any administrative rights. I can't make changes. I can't install software. I can't do anything in my own network. That's because I am an inveritable target. And I do not want to be the source. So we all have to realize if you don't need the access, don't have it. It's not cool to say I have access to everything. Look at me. Right. That's just not important. What is important is that we limit the number of things that we can get to so that if we are attacked, damage is limited. Isolate your systems, for God's sake. Update systems. Stop allowing convenience to win over security when that convenience is not really that great a function to your bottom line or to your day-to-day operations. Um, sheer laziness. Stop it. This is, you know, this is too important. And get your backups right. Stop thinking that you're going to do a local backup on an appliance and and even in the cloud, if you can control it using your rights or any right with m- amongst your management team, if you can control it with a credential that they have, the bad guys can control it when they steal the credential. The vast majority of cases that are happening in the world are happening because someone got the credential scraped and did not have multi-factor authentication in place. It's, it's basically that simple. Um, and so I think we just need to get back to get serious about the basics, 
all of us, meaning everybody in this industry needs to realize if we can't show a client that we can do it, then how can we ask clients to do it? Now, do I think we're perfect? Oh, hell no. And do I think that, you know, we have an absolute, you know, perfect protection against? No, I'm not that arrogant to believe that, but we're trying and we've got multiple outside vendors looking at our network. We've got a SOC. We've got our own network operations center. We've got antivirus um, company uh, that's specific to um, persistent access. We've got an AI machine learning product that is top of the line, all in layers on top of our normal antivirus and our normal patching and all the things that we normally do because we're doing everything we can to place as many layers between us and the bad guys as we can. That's uh you know, that, that, that raises an interesting point for me here is that let's say I'm, um, you know, I am a solution provider, but I'm, I'm, I'm small, you know, I've got 15 employees. Right. Yep. Um, and I just heard all that stuff that you have <laughs> to protect your network and, and, and my wallet is empty. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, what, what, what kind of options might I have? Well, I think let's start with the basics. Again, if you look at, um, most of the reporting out of, let's use government reporting. I'm not even going to use vendor reporting. Let's use government reporting. The vast majority of, of attacks are done via phishing. So there are filtering services that anybody can afford. If you can't afford to put in a DNS URL filtering and an email filtering service to, to make sure that you're not inviting garbage into your network, you need to close your doors and go home. Because, <laughs> um, you, you know, you're just dangerous. I'm serious. I mean, I'm not trying to be arrogant, but there's a point where you, you have to understand if you can't do the basics, do something else. But I believe they can. And I know most of these guys. I'm, I have immense respect for this industry. I know hundreds of people personally, and some of them I consider to be good friends. Um, they can do it if they want to. And so what can you do? Well, there's, patching doesn't cost except for time. Uh, MFA, I mean, even Duo provides you the first 10 licenses for free, right? Um, there's all kinds of, of open source solutions for a variety of different tools that will allow you to add layers. These guys are coming after the people that are making it easy. Mm -hmm. Putting RDP to the internet without a gateway, no MFA. Bullseye invitation to be attacked, right? Yep. Uh, VPN direct to your server, no MFA just put turkey and some, some, you know, cranberry sauce on it for them while they're sitting in your network eating. It's just, it's ridiculous. And so that's where, what can anybody do the basics? Just get the basics and you will literally, they'll move on to someone else. Right. You know, it's like, it's like your, your door's locked, right? The, the windows yeah. in your car are rolled up, but the one next to you is, is open. So that is a fantastic example. Anaheim has a huge problem in Orange County here in California with break-ins. They don't break windows. They simply walk around pulling on door handles. Door handles. Yeah. That's all they do. And then they sort through your car and find whatever they want and they leave. That's exactly what's happening in 90% of these cases. They're finding scannable, penetratable networks that are blatantly open or blatantly weak. And then there are people doing things they shouldn't. Let's talk about that too, which is don't visit gaming sites. Don't go to a porn site with your admin, you know, uh, credential. Do don't do stupid things. I mean, there are certain things you're just inviting yourself to have problems. Don't open documents from people you don't know using an administrative account. Stop using administrative accounts for surfing the internet. That's just dumb, you know. And and there are things that we can all do that are 
that that are not genius level stuff. It's just basic. That's rough. Uh, I'll tell you why, because I mean, so we have a, the growing problem, right? The risk and the, the consequences of failure have gotten dire, right? People yes. lose their businesses. And yet yes. the most effective things are still those same awareness, right? Of that individual at the keyboard, they have to be aware and know. Um, but at the same time, to your point, right? There has to have the systems in place to support that. Because even if, you know, the, 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 the user is fully trained, but, but the network's not isolated, then it doesn't, right? So it, it is a, a, an interesting, you know, kind of a, a big old nut of a problem, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. And I know of a case, just to give you an example, where the, the employee, this is one of those downstream train wreck kind of things, right? So an employee tried to open a file, were unable to open it. They took it to IT, IT for help, um, and IT proceeded to help them by opening it with an administrative account and oh, taking geez. the whole company down. Um, so even the people who knew better, and when you ask that individual, did you know better than doing that? Yeah, you know, I shouldn't even be using that account. I have to. I just was in a hurry to try to help them make them happy. Right. That's, that's the issue. It's the human, and that's why I don't – I try to be careful – about being overly critical because I make mistakes, trust me, and I catch myself. I've actually failed a phishing test some time ago, right? Uh, because I'm moving fast and I actually thought I had it. I even went and researched the address and did, didn't matter. I still clicked on something I shouldn't, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's the other reason why I don't have rights because by doing what the way I'm isolated and the way I'm limited, I, I, it's going to do a lot less damage, I guess is the way to put it. Sure. Um, but so, I think we have to not worry about who's right and who's wrong, but we all have to realize that we better all get it right and we better all work to help each other to get it right. And the consumers are, are only part of the problem. Those of us that are not pushing a little harder. I think the other thing, let me say this, Miles, we need to have the spine to risk a client or risk angering someone or upsetting them by telling them, I'm not doing this. If you want to do this, this, completely incorrect, predictably train wrecking fashion. It's not going to happen. So you either start to go along with the basics of IT and spend the investment or I'm walking and we've done it. We've done it several times where we're just like, we're not going to be in the news with you as your IT provider. When I've told you a hundred times to please do these things and you're refusing to do them, we all have to be willing to do that. We can't take the low-hanging fruit because the money's there and then participate in someone's own someone's failure because we're helping them fail by allowing that to happen. And I think we need to stop that. That's a great point. I uh, Just one quick thing around the phishing. I, I was going through a refi recently and, uh, and I got pinged by, uh, oh, here's a DocuSign thing. And, and I'm like, well, I expected uh -huh. this. And I didn't look at it. I, I'm like, I was expecting it. So I clicked it. Yep. And thank yep. goodness, in this case, I, I was using uh, uh, Firefox, and, and it, it, it stopped it. It said, you don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, what are you trying to do, dude? Yeah, right, right. So, and I that's what I mean by – it, and oh, my gosh, yes. That's what I mean by we all – we can't judge each other. We just have to try to help each other figure this out. Now, I am also – this is kind of controversial, but I'm at the point where – one way that we may be able to help is is to hold people accountable for their personal decisions. 
And what I mean by that is we have multiple situations where I've asked someone, did you know you shouldn't do that? Oh, yeah, they tell me all the time. So why'd you do it? Because I didn't care and just wanted to do it. Right. Not my networks, not my computer. I don't care. Um, I, I think we at some point have to say who's responsible, really. Yes, we need to take away all of the abilities. Here's what I like to see IT think about. It. I don't know if you've ever been to Disneyland and they have the Autopia cars that are on rails, uh-huh. right? So you get to drive the car. You can. You put the gas pedal. You can turn it. You can put the brakes on. But you can't turn off the rail. You can only go so far left and right. I think that's the way we need to start treating IT, which is we give you enough rail to drive, but then we have to be able to, if we're going to protect the world, to put in rails. And I think salespeople, senior executives um, are the worst when it comes to following these procedures, and they're the first to blame us, the the security people, when something goes wrong. And I think we need to start telling everybody, you don't get to wreck the company because you're the CEO, or you don't get to wreck the company because you're the CISO or the or the most productive salesperson or the most productive law partner. Whatever it is that you are doesn't give you a right to destroy the jobs of potentially hundreds of people and cost your clients um, cases. For example, in a, let's say a law firm gets ransomware by, or law enforcement, they, they get ransomware and the CI database is released or is frozen and the, all the victims' uh, case information is frozen. And there are, are examples on the news you can look for right now of cases that went bad because uh, evidence was frozen in the ransomware attack. So uh. we all need to just realize this is not fun. It's not it's not great to deal with, but we have to, we have to do the best we can to help each other figure it out. Yeah. And it's certainly not unreasonable to, to ask people to, to, you know, to do the things that they've been trained to do. So yeah. I have yeah. A- and limiting file access. So miles, like for example, when you click on a folder in your network, right? Executives will often, especially high end guys, often I want access to every folder. Well, why? Well, just in case I need to get to it. Will you normally need to get to it? No. Then no, you don't need access to it. And no, you're not going to risk that file server or that file store to ransomware because you feel you have the power to do that. You should, this is where we need to be better at convincing people not to take things just because they can. Sure, sure. So I've got a couple things I want da- to, to touch on before, uh, before we wrap and kind of around sure. the future, kind of what you're seeing. And then, um, and I'd like to wrap with a little touch on insurance as well, but let's, let's talk a you little bit it. about here. Kind of like, you know, so it's, it's, do we see something different coming from the ransomware side? And then at the same time, are there maybe technical innovations on, on the good guy side to help us kind of fight this fight? Um, yes, and yes, uh, there, there is a difference. And in fact, they're getting much more sophisticated. They're much more patient. The bad guys are, the bad actors um, are spending a lot more time. They're shooting for bigger targets. They're, they are extremely patient. And they're learning um, the social behaviors. It's interesting what happens, you know, when you become an expert at something, it's funny how easy it becomes. And I think that's what we're seeing in these groups is that they have become sophisticated in their activities. They understand now who will pay. I mean, these they're so sophisticated now that they often will calculate what they think you are as a company, how much money you should have in the bank 
or insurance coverage and and they make the ransom fit what they think you can pay at a stretch um that's an amazing thing to think about right they they're literally looking at oh well they're they make really expensive parts they've been around for 100 years they've got 50 locations oh they're worth at least 5 million or whatever the number is that's an amazing thing to think about right um, the other thing that's is a they skill really, a lot of companies could use, <laughs> right? And and that's what I mean. These are formal business. They've got better help desk, and I'm I'm not joking about this. They've got better help desk response than some of the service providers I know. They will answer the phone when you call. They will have they'll help you do a remote access to your computer to help you do a decryption uh, system if you allow them to. Of course, we don't. But the point is, they will do it if you let them. Um, it, it is amazing how sophisticated, how much business like this is. And it's disgusting because I can't tell you how many tearful conversations I've had with people who are losing everything. I mean, I, it's, it's probably one of the hardest things I've dealt with crime victims my whole life. And it's not equate equated to some of the more severe crimes I've dealt with, you know, that are direct personal crimes. But, yeah. but imagine someone who's a fourth generation company who literally has just been told you have no backup. That it's a two to three million dollar ransom. You have no insurance, and you you have maybe a hundred thousand in your retirement fund. You're done. Oh. And what do you what do you do? I mean, and it's just. And when I say tearful, I mean literally uh, horrifyingly sad stories. So, um, oh. so I think that that's the other thing is they're so cold and callous. They just don't care. Um, it's not you know they're out to be bad guys and steal stuff from people, and so there's no you know there's no personal ethic behind any of it all. Mm. But things like maybe like, um, I mean, what about, so, so trying to, to maybe, a, like I said, protection side, right? Some new technology is blockchain. Sure. I've seen, you know, a lot of thought and ideas around, you know, just the, the, the distributed ledger aspect of blockchain seems to lend itself well to, a, you know, validate type you know, um, you know, validate then trust <laughs> type of uh, process. Yeah, sure. Is, so is I, there something I, to that maybe? Well, there is, but I think, uh, the challenge. So let me say this: there are lots of great options coming down the pike, and there are a lot that are currently out there. They all still require what we talked about early on, which is dedication to getting it right and doing the things that you know to do consistently. So, even if you're talking about blockchain, it's still a technology you have to install. It's still a technology you have to manage. It's still a technology you have to implement properly, and any mistake is going to allow the the uh, yeah. bad actors that are smart to figure it out. So this all comes down to how committed are we? And this is why I say I'm not perfect. I can't say that someday we won't have a problem, but I can tell you that I wake up every day focused on this as an issue and that I'm trying to do the best I can to be a voice in the world of my God, people wake up. This is, right. you know, this isn't going away. So yes, you're right. There's some great technologies and blockchain may have an opportunity to allow us to force authentication in ways that, that would avoid some of these, but we can't get them to use super basic yeah. MFA right, right now. You know right. what I mean? So Yeah, that makes so much sense. Okay. So, we, we wanted to touch on insurance a little bit and, you know, we've seen, yes. so these ransoms are going up. Um, relatedly, I would imagine premiums are going up um, almost maybe at a cost prohibitive, you know, point. So um, what about insurance? <laughs> what what, what so, can we expect from, from, from a provider or, you know, yeah. 
Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I do have quite a bit I think I can um, provide on that end in the way of viewpoint and, and experience. So let's start with this. The premiums have not risen enough to, to be an excuse in, in an, uh, to not have it. In addition to your basic insurance, it's almost a rounding error. This insurance is not expensive. And, uh, and I mean that saying that knowing the budgets of smaller companies. So if you have DNO and ENO already uh, or general liability, this is a, it's a rider and it's a not, a, not an expensive one. The key, though, is to make sure you get, one, cyber breach specifically, two, ransomware specifically, where they will pay the ransom. They will provide you with service support, including a lawyer coach and some of the other things that are important and that that insurance kicks in from the moment of infection and reaches back. So if your insurance doesn't reach back, let's say you buy your insurance today and your network's been infected for 13 months, um, you're not covered. So oh. there is insurance that you can get, and I know people who get it, and we suggest it. You need to make sure your coverage reaches back. The other thing is you need to make sure that it kicks in right from the moment of a suspected breach, not once you've proven a breach, because if the trigger point is once the breach has been identified, you could spend a million dollars proving it's an actual breach, right? Mm -hmm. um, what is the breach? Where is it? How did it happen? All that kind of stuff. And so trying to recover that from them uh, is another story. Also, you need at least a million dollars in coverage today if you're going to survive what we're seeing as an average. Our ransom recoveries range from around 100000 into the 2.3 to 2.6. The highest we've seen is $5.5 million. Um, much larger company and was a rounding error to them. So, uh, But the smaller companies are generally in that hundred to 300000 range right now. So a good million-dollar coverage will pay the ransom plus the lawyers plus the forensic team plus the us, the meaning Alvaca, as a remediation company. Um, and the other thing that we have to be very careful about is making sure that you use recovery uh, service providers that know what they're doing. Do not mess with ransomware if you don't know what you're doing because you will permanently damage the capability to recover and then you have a problem because now you've been the reason why they can't recover um, not because they got ransomware so right. um, the other thing is to make sure that there's no um, what's what do they call a bad actor clauses in the in the um, policy that says if you haven't done basic things that you committed to doing in your policy uh, we're not going to cover you you need to make sure that you pay extra for if if you do things short of willful neglect or, or malicious intent, that they still have to cover it. That's an important function. Okay, that's great advice. Actually, um, I know that is a concern of a lot of a lot of MSPs out there. Is you know what is the you know insurance coverage and and how can they get it and things like that. And what are they those little intricacies that they should be looking for? So great advice and 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 good stuff that people can you know put to work for them right away. So this yeah, is, go um, for it. Yeah, yeah, this was, well, I, I'd say it was fun, and it absolutely was, and yet these, these topics are just so, so hard sometimes, right? It's, it's, a, it's a rough world out there. So I guess, you know, for me, a message out to the community is um, you're not alone. You know, there's, there's information sharing organizations here within CompTIA, yeah. there's um, partners like Elvaca and others who can help you if, if you are, you know, if you want to kind of build up your own. 
um, internal skills, you know, look at certifications, look at, look at some of the big vendors and, and what products they have. So there are certainly, you know, and then of course, uh, you know, just get back to your, your main point, you kept hitting there, Kevin, is the, the, those fundamentals, right? Don't forget to keep those fundamentals in place. They're there for a reason. They're logical for a reason. Um, yep. and, and if you, if you need Go guidance, ahead. Miles, if you need guidance, the, the Trustmark, the Security Trustmark Plus is a really good foundational place that we use as it's, it's a minimum floor that you just, it really will help you understand where you should be at the base minimum. And so we've been, a, as you know, a Security Trustmark Plus um, certified company for a number of years. We're mm-hmm. renewing now. Um, and I want to recommend that everybody who's trying to understand at least what they could do to help protect themselves at the basic level, that's how you do it. Yeah, that's great. And you can see that. Um, you can grab those frameworks for free from the from the CompTIA website, both in the channel standards. It's all in there. So you can see what yep. you have to do and, and um, you know, and get through it. So that, this was great, Kevin. I, I appreciate your time today. I think we had some good information around, you know, kind of the, the reality of what's going on with ransomwares. But also just kind of the future and some things that people can do to, to make sure they stay in business. Right. And, 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 you know, capitalize even, you know, while there is always, you know, uh, uh, businesses going under, um, you know, as a result of these things, it does also in, in a, in a cynical yeah. way, create opportunities. Man, let's, and let's pray for each other and hope that we all, uh, we all can avoid this nightmare. So. Absolutely. Right, man. Absolutely. All right. So, Thank you. All right, Miles. Kevin. Thanks a lot for your time Thank today. You. Take care. All right. Take care. You got it. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the CompTIA BizTech podcast. For more information on CompTIA membership, communities, and councils, visit comptia.org membership. If you enjoyed this podcast, the greatest compliment you can give us is subscribing, sharing, and liking the broadcast. 